Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. Uh, we just finished up our May series on mental health and we're starting uh, this month of June. We're going to be looking at our sleep health and how that affects us. But first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your cup today? Well, Dr. Bobby, it is early. <clears throat> so I indeed do have coffee with a little bit of half and half. And I have some cinnamon in the coffee as well, just to give it Ooh. a little bit a little bit of zazz. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? Nice. I have coffee as well, warm coffee, but with a straw. And it is not from Starbucks because as of a week ago, Starbucks increased their prices. So I refuse to pay ridiculous amount now, but it was like 30 cents more, but still it's over $4 now for like a simple cup of coffee. No way. Right. So yeah. it is homemade okay. with a little bit of flavored cream. So it's a little bit of sweetness in there. Yeah, awesome. And then with us today, we have <clears throat> one of our former uh, professors. Uh, her name is Dr. Erica Kiernan, and she works in uh, neuroscience. And so, uh, Dr. Kiernan, what do you have in your glass? I have coffee as well. <laughs> <laughs> I usually always have a cup of coffee, um, and I drink black coffee that... Um, was kind of one of my switches to being a little he more healthy, and mm -hmm. it was an easy. It was an easy switch. I mean, rather than maybe going to the gym on a regular basis, I'll <laughs> not drink coffee with sugar and cream. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so, Dr. Kiernan, tell us a little bit about what what you teach and why you love what you teach. Sure. So um, I currently teach in a doctorate of physical therapy program and I teach clinical neuroscience. Um, I also teach neuromuscular rehabilitation, the evaluation course and the um, an intervention course that's predominantly adults um, dealing with diagnoses like stroke, Parkinson's, MS. Um, but my, I would say probably like my, my pet what I really love is the clinical neuroscience course. Um, I have always enjoyed kind of that hard science. My way, 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 way back undergrad was in biology. I've always enjoyed learning about science, but especially the human brain and um, really just how it applies to therapy and, and your functional every day that, that little piece of tissue is constantly working. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I remember that from when we were in neuroscience, you, uh, you made it super cool. <laughs> Every fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, we thought you would probably be a pretty good person to bring on to the podcast because what we like to do is talk to people that know more than we do about topics that we find interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, right. So why not learn from those around us? Uh, so with sleep, right, the, the first thing we need to do is just take a step back with sleep and say, like, in general, we have this idea of like, oh, I just go to bed and I sleep and I wake up and I'm, you know, and then I'm not sleeping anymore and I'm awake. But sleep itself is actually rather complex. And there's a good amount that happens during the sleep cycle that I think can be undervalued, which is why it's so easy for people to not get enough sleep. And so because they don't quite understand the benefits of sleep. So that's kind of where we wanted to start is what happens to our bodies when we sleep? Like what, like, what is like, are there cycles, things like that? Like, you know, what, what's kind of going on during that, that, um, 
we call awake and sleep time. So sleep time. <laughs> yes. So I think sometimes people think um, that sleep is just like a light switch. Like you're just turning off a light switch and everything is like powering down, you know, um, just like you would turn off your computer. And that's not what is happening. It's actually a really, really active um, state um, and you move through lots of different phases. And so your brain itself is actually going through really interesting kind of complex phases at this, at, you know, while you're basically in a, a sleep state. Um, and it involves areas like when we talk about our cortex, that's kind of the area of the brain that's basically when we think of a brain, that's what we think of. But the cortex is where we do a lot more of our thinking processes, especially the area of the brain that's right near the front. So kind of like behind the eyes and the forehead, that's kind of our cognitive processing. But our sleep cycle or our sleeping in general is also controlled by areas of the brainstem. And the brainstem is kind of the think of it as like the conduit between the cortex and like your spinal cord. So it's basically controls a lot of involuntary function. So functions that occur that we're not even conscious of, we're not telling ourselves to breathe, for instance, our brainstem helps do that. So we have all this circuitry, this neural circuitry between brainstem, the cortex um, that is constantly kind of um, flipping on and off while we sleep. Um, so the idea that when we go to sleep, everything turns off is, is not correct at all. Right. And I think, um, you know, with different experiences that I've had in the past, I can tell when I'm in that like lighter sleep versus that deep sleep versus like when you have those active dreams. Mm -hmm. And so it, it doesn't feel like the same experience each time. So it's like, oh, well, there must be different things that are going on. Um, and so I, I think that like then leads into like what is happening during those different cycles of sleep. Yeah. So we actually have four stages of sleep. Um, and the, those are what we consider like to be our sleep cycle. So we have these four stages. Now, three of these stages um, are, are non-REM sleep, so or REM sleep. So non-REM sleep, those are denoted by N1, N2, N3. And there's stages of just slowly and progressively getting into a deeper sleep. So stage like in one, that is very shallow. This is a this is when you're just settling down, and you also can be easily awakened, right? Nothing more annoying than like being in this in one stage, and then like <laughs> something drops in the room or you hear a sound, and you're like, oh, I was just going to sleep. Um, so it's very shallow. Then um, you start to about 20 minutes in, if you're continuing through N1, you get to N2. And this is where we get to have more restorative sleep. This is why they say like a rejuvenated like nap stage is usually about 20 minutes long because at least you're starting to hit N2. So that is, again, getting progressively deeper into sleep. And then finally you have N3 and that's your deepest level of sleep. Um, and that usually lasts about an hour. 
So you want to get to that in three stage. It's nice and it's really, really deep. And so in one through in three are all non-REM sleep. So after that hour, you hit REM and that's rapid eye movement. Um, that's the that's the stage where dreaming takes place. Um, if you go by the lettering system in one, in two, in three, REM sleep is considered R, stage R. Um, and it's a really interesting stage of sleep because it's called paradoxal sleep because it's deeper. Actually, it's considered to be deeper than stage three in three, that deep sleep. However, if you have, were hooked up to an EEG, an electroencephalogram, you know, measuring like brain waves and everything, um, you would notice that in that REM sleep, your brain is very similarly active as if you were awake. Um, and so on the EEG, it shows what they, they say is low voltage with fast activity. Um, as opposed to um, N3 that shows kind of a different voltage and activity. Um, however, even though your brain is really, really all of a sudden seeming to be very active, almost like you're awake, your body, your tone, your body tone um, has like the, the muscle tone of your body is actually um, really, really low. So it's almost like your brain is on like it's awake, but your body is not, if that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so in REM sleep, this is the sleep, you're actually easily awakened in REM sleep um, because it does have this brain activity that's very close to being awake. Um, but you get into that after about an hour of being asleep and then you'll cycle back out. So that's, REM sleep, it's not just like you're going deep, 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 deep sleep, hit REM, and then that's where you stay for the night. You actually cycle in and out of that, which is why you, you tend to kind of wake up multiple times per night. Almost everybody does. Pretty much everybody wakes up during the night. However, you're not usually aware of it. If you feel like you've like slept, oh, I didn't wake up at all. Um, you're actually kind of waking up. You just don't know it because you're easily falling back asleep. The problem is when you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, and you start thinking <laughs> about everything in the world. <laughs> um, and that is when, um, but REM sleep will happen multiple times throughout. If you think about it, how long you sleep, if this is occurring every, every hour or so, you're gonna hit REM sleep, um, REM sleep multiple times. And that is, that is your dreaming state. And it's a really interesting because, um, REM sleep, they, during that time, your brain, the neurotransmitters, the little chemicals in your brain, it's actually producing these waves of activation up to the cortex. So that thinking area of your brain, and it, that's, what's inducing things like the visual imagery of dreams, um, and the, those associated rapid eye movements that are occurring, they kind of call it a flip-flop switch because the in one through three is inhibiting that connection with the cortex and the thinking area of the brain, kind of like powering down your, your cognitive thought. And then during REM sleep, it's kind of opposite. It's actually kind of activating 
areas of the cortex through like the core of the brain, an area called the thalamus to then produce these like vivid imageries of um, dreams. So it's this constant kind of flip-flop switch back and forth while you sleep. So when, so sometimes I'll have dreams and they're not so great dreams and you wake up and then you're like, okay. And like, you go back to sleep and it feels like you fall right back into the dream. Like you can't get out of it. Are you actually going to go through that cycle again? It just feels like you're right back in there. Or can you get into those cycles quicker? Um, that's a good question because I'm not entirely sure the cycle has to start, you know, back again. Mm -hmm. um, taking you through, it depends, I think on how, how much you wake up, like how, mm -hmm. how awake your state is. Um, and like you said, falling, you know, back into that dream. Um, so yeah, I think it just, it just depends on how awake your system becomes. Um, you for healthy sleep, you don't ever want to skip over the N2 and N3 stages. Um, that, that's what happens with like narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is they is someone moves from the awake cycle to REM, like skipping over all those in one through three. Yeah, because they're not getting restorative sleep. They're going straight to this um, very paradoxical active, but low muscle tone, um, state. So I, I, it'd be interesting to know how fast actually mm -hmm. you could go back to your dream, especially if it's a good dream. I know I've like, woke up. I was like, ah, that was such a good dream. <laughs> Don't wake up yeah. too much. I want to go back to the good dream. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting about REM is that because it's the low body activation, but the high brain activation, so it's like why you feel like you can't scream in your dream or you feel like you can't run. Um, mm -hmm. I used to have this recurring dream as a kid where there was an alligator chasing me. And like, <laughs> I grew up in Florida. So that's- I say how Florida, Florida, I Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, there's an alligator chasing me. And it's like in this dream, I'm, I'm desperately trying to run, but I can't. And so it's like, and I didn't actually realize why that was happening until I was in grad school and then learning about dreams. So I'm like, oh, it's because my brain doesn't realize that my muscles can move because they're in this like this very low active state. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just kind of funny when you're in those dreams and you're trying to do something and you can't. Um, so yeah. gotta love brain activity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So um, as far as the um, optimal times or amounts of sleep. So you've kind of, you've gone into, it's really important to get through this in three, ideally get into, um, into REM, but in the course of a night, there's, you know, there's these uh, time frames that are out there. Like uh, people should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep per night, right? There's this like generalized um, recommendation. So I think it's always easier when we understand why there's that generalized recommendation to then follow it and, and adhere to it. Um, so, uh, can you speak to any, anything with that? Yeah. So, um, your need for sleep, your body's need for sleep, um, it changes throughout your lifetime and, um, it's important, you know, we need sleep because I mean, that's the time that your, your brain is being nourished and you're, um, you're able to be in a very restorative 
state for your body. Um, almost like a, a reset in a way. So you, you have to have sleep. Um, but when you look at it through the lifespan, um, there's lots of guidelines like the National Sleep Foundation guidelines. There's out there, you can look up, you know, the NIH and CDC and what they recommend. But most of them usually say, for adults, a healthy adult, you're looking between seven and nine hours of sleep per night. Now that always kind of changes. Um, I think I just recently read an article that they, that seven was kind of like, if you had to choose one number, seven was like the optimal amount of sleep. Um, and funny enough, you don't want to get too much sleep, like too much sleep will do just as much, um, damage as too little sleep. Um, so that seven to nine fits for adults, but it's different in infants and in babies because they're growing, their brain is growing, their body is growing, and they have all this development going on. So they need more of that restoration time. So when you look at um, children, and if you have children, I'm sure you're well aware of like, <laughs> That's how much a baby needs to sleep, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Even though it doesn't seem like they do because they seem to want to wake up all the time. Um, when you're an infant, you really need anywhere from like 11 to 14 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. And that usually like includes naps. So that's a lot of time. Then when you get up to more of being a toddler, that reduces by just a couple hours, like 10 to 13. Again, I'm in a 24 hour period. Um, and finally, when you get up to be like six to 12 years old, that's where like my kids are in right now in school age. And um, they usually need anywhere from nine to 12 hours um, mm -hmm. of sleep. Now, Adults, it kind of, once you get into your like early to mid twenties, that's when it's like that seven to nine hour. Um, and it stays pretty consistent until you get over 65. And then it, it's weird. The number just changes slightly. They say seven to eight hours per sleep. Um, so it's, you know, why that one little extra hour is mm -hmm. interesting to me. I couldn't really, um, you know, I'm sure if I dug around more why there's that one hour difference of parameter, but you can kind of think as a healthy adult, you really should be shooting for seven to nine hours of sleep. And of course that's going to vary from person to person. Some people might need a little bit less if you can, mm. you know, function. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's super helpful to like realize that as you're going through the cycles, the cycles are each doing something beneficial. And then mm -hmm. it's, it's the, as you toggle those cycles together, that that's where you really start to feel restored at the end of the night. I know when you're talking about like infants and how they don't like to sleep, um, you know, through <laughs> the night, that was something that I had to work on to find out what's my balance to keep me sane during the day. And mm -hmm. I found that if I had like at least like a three to four hour, like all the way through time, I was totally good with like then having like a couple naps during the day. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's no way like you're going to have seven hours straight when you've got an infant. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> the way that my husband and I worked it out is that he would go to bed super early and then he would be on around 
you know, three ish in the morning, then he would be mm -hmm. armed to like handle everything. And so I knew and I would sleep so hard from three till seven. Like I knew for sure, like he was on, like I could sleep. And I mean, we did that with both kids and it was never horrible, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. now, you know, obviously the second time around now you've got a toddler and an infant. And so, <laughs> um, and as you're into that, like that, right. in that first wave of sleep where you can wake up easily. Hmm. How many Always. times, how many yeah. times do you get woken up? I think the kids know they're like, Oh, mama is an in one right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to fuss. <laughs> oh, for sure. But like, if I'm in, in three, like I don't hear anything. You know, especially if I know in the background, like I know it's like my husband's like shift to, to take. Um, he'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This happened. This happened. This happened. I'm like, I don't got nothing for you. <laughs> None of it. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, that's when you need to make the noise. Not when I'm in that very first that very first stage, because, you know, you just wake up so quickly and then you got to okay, calm yourself back down. Um, and then that, now that four hour stretch just starts getting, getting smaller and smaller, um, yeah. which is like, hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I think the, the last question that we had in this initial, in this initial phase of like of sleep to really understand sleep is understanding the qualitative versus quantitative sleep, mm -hmm. meaning like, is it about how great the sleep is as far as qualitative, or is it about the, the accumulation of number of hours? Um, because, you know, one of those things that, that you read is like, oh, well, I had a horrible night's sleep. I had an all, you know, red eye flight and this and that. And then not, mm -hmm. now do I have to get like 14 hours of sleep the next day? Um, so is it like this cumulative effect or do we still kind of recover the next day, even though we had a bad night? Yeah, so it's kind of both qualitative and quantitative. So we we have these like, and, and sometimes I think as humans, we always gravitate to the quantitative because I'm like, okay, I can put a number on that, right? Seven sure you measure it. It's easy. Yeah, yeah it's easy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's the, it, it's, yeah, quantitative. Okay, I know that I need about seven hours, you know, but we also talk about uninterrupted sleep. So, you know, just like when you have a kid and it's, we get used to that for the time being of like, okay, my sleep is going to be interrupted. Um, my normal sleep rhythm is going to be interrupted, but um, the quality of sleep is also important because, you know, like I just came back from a flight, right. And I was by, I was feeling the fatigue by the end, because even if I doze on a plane and I'm sleeping, I'm probably not hitting in three, I'm probably not hitting really, really deep sleep, much less going into REM sleep. Um, I'm probably, uh, if I'm lucky, maybe I'm, I'm snoozing for, you know, 20 minutes or so. And I'm, am getting a little restorative, you know, that's when it's like, Oh, I dozed on the plane. Okay. I feel, I feel a little bit better. I'm not as fatigued as when I first sat down. Um, but I'm, I'm not spending any time in that really, really deep sleep to really be in a more restorative state. So it does matter about quality as well as quantity. And usually most issues with sleep, a lot of the times, you know, 
um, and I shouldn't say most issues because I'm not a, a sleep expert, but a lot of times it seems what people talk about is about like the quality of their sleep. And some people talk about, well, I can fall asleep, but I can't stay asleep. Um, you know, some people can't fall asleep or some people <laughs> fall asleep, can't stay asleep, you know, can't stay asleep, they wake up and then they can't fall back asleep. Mm -hmm. So it is important that you have um, a quality chunk of time to get into that. So if you're cycling in and out for seven hours, right? And it, you wanna be in that N3 state after about an hour of deep sleep. I mean, if you think about it, to get into that N3 stage takes time, it takes about an hour. So anytime you're getting a sleep that's less than an hour, you probably haven't hit that deep sleep yet. You probably haven't hit that really deep, nice, deep restorative phase, even though that restoration starts in N2 and why they recommend naps only be usually about 20 minutes or so. Um, they, I, just because that's supposed to be an optimal time, like just enough to get you restored, but not so much that it puts you into that, like loopy doopy stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've taken some naps and where you wake up after like 40, 45 minutes, you're like, I feel more tired than when I like lay yeah. down. You where know? Am I? <laughs> yeah. You do the whole, like, you're kind of shaky, you know, you're like, um, is it night? Is it day? Yeah. I don't know. Like, wow. yeah. 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 Not helpful. <laughs> yeah. So it's really yeah. important that yes, time, but also the quality of, of what you're getting is important too. So it's both. Yeah. I found for me that, so I'm getting up typically between four and five in the, every morning. Um, and so typically by eight o'clock at night, I'm like tired, but I have found that if I go to bed before eight 30, even though I'm exhausted or barely staying awake, like I actually, I don't know why, but I don't get good sleep that whole night. Whereas mm -hmm. if I just wait till that eight 39 o'clock, then I'll have probably a much better night's sleep. Um, because if I go to bed too early, then I'm waking up through the night multiple times and like, not just waking up and then be able to go back to sleep, but it's like waking up my body's like, okay, time to go. And I'm like, no, it's 2am. <laughs> like, and that's probably your, so it's like, that's your natural body circadian rhythms in that of your sleep wake cycle. I know that naturally I tend to wake up around seven o'clock. So sometimes a rule of thumb, um, when I was reading about sleep experts is like, if you can wake up without an alarm clock, that's ideal. Right. Um, most people that doesn't happen, but, <laughs> um, I know I'm not, if you ask me to start waking up at five, 6 AM, that'd be very difficult for me because that's not my natural mm -hmm. rhythm. I usually start to naturally wake up around five. And I know that because, uh, I have a middle schooler and in here in my County middle schoolers, she has to, they, they have to catch the bus at six 45 AM. Oh, um, so I had to switch like shift by like an entire hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would have thought I was climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, because it just, just, you know, you're kidding me. And then I'm just like you, um, Bobby, in the fact that I cannot go to sleep early, earlier, usually than what I want. Naturally, I usually get tired around between 10 and 1030. And if I, that, if I go to bed within that window, I'm usually sleep really well. And the amount of time that I need, if I try to go to bed early, like 
a lot of people say, just go to bed early. You know, that's always advice. Oh, oh, you're not sleeping. Just go to bed early. I will maybe fall asleep nine, nine 30, but I will have restless sleep usually for a good couple hours. I'll kind of wake up. It it's, it's not my natural rhythm. Um, so I, going to bed too early for me, um, which I think is probably universal. If you try to force yourself to go to bed earlier than maybe what your natural cycle is telling you, it is very, um, it's difficult to like do. Yeah. Um, but I think you can train yourself as well. If you, if need be your circadian rhythm, um, and your sleep wake cycle a little bit. Yeah. I think that's why I, they recommend even on weekends to like really stick mm-hmm. to that cycle because then yes. overall it just helps with the quality of sleep because now your body is, you're giving it what it needs. Um, cause I'm like you, um, Dr. Kiernan, where it's like 7.00 AM is like my preferred time. Like I have an alarm set, but like almost every single morning, 6.55, I, I turn over and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. time to get up. You know, yeah. like it, it just, it, it naturally happens like that. My body mm-hmm. knows the alarm's about to go off. It's almost every single morning, right at 6.55. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, 6.30, I, not 7.10. Yeah. Yeah. I have an alarm clock because I wake up to light. Like that's what my body mm-hmm. naturally wakes up to is light. And so I have an alarm clock that it um, starts about, it's supposed to act, mimic the sunrise. So it will start like 45 minutes before you want to wake up and just slowly lightens up the room enough to then it's like the sun rising. So that has really helped me. And um, mm-hmm. so I can't tell you the last time an alarm clock has actually gone off for me. Um, but I do know one time when someone set an alarm where I didn't have that and like, I freaked out cause I'm not used to like the noise. I mean, like jumped and like, okay. all this your stuff. heart rate goes up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like so confused because it wasn't like my natural just wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is very important. Um, what you were mentioning just before about like the fact that like you, um, you were mentioning, um, oh, what was it? Like about, the weekends. Like, like the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. And sleeping in. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, especially when you were like young and in your twenties and, you know, you started like sleeping more, eat, like sleeping in and oh, they're, it's a teenager. They're not up till noon, that kind of thing. Now teenagers, they do need more sleep. They need closer mm-hmm. to like 10 hours. However, um, as time goes on, I, I even get up on the weekends, usually around the same time that I get up mm-hmm. during, you know, the week. I think what I, how, what I take advantage though, is even though my body's awake, I'll maybe get to lay there for an hour or so more. Yeah. Right. Just because I can. So that's kind of my, like, that's my guilty pleasure. Okay. I don't have to get up and out of bed at seven or seven 30 or, you know, a little earlier than that. I could lay in bed till like eight, eight 30. Um, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I just, honestly, as I've gotten older, I just kind of stick to that um, schedule. And even when I go to bed late, like later than my typical bedtime, nothing's more frustrating than my body is like seven o'clock, get up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I just went to bed at two. That happened to me when traveling recently, just this past weekend. Um, I didn't even get into my hotel room till like 1230. I was wide awake, probably because adrenaline. I was right, at the airport right. and trying to get, and then I probably didn't fall asleep till 
one thirty. Um, my body literally was not tired until then. And yet I'm thinking I'm going to sleep in, this will be great. And then I'll go down and get my little free breakfast. And lo and behold, seven o'clock, like wide awake. Yeah. Thinking, Dang. Great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Body won't let no me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for this, uh, introduction into sleep and what, like just what, like what is involved in sleep. So what we're going to do is next week, we're going to have Dr. Kiernan back for the second part of the sleep um, month. And we're going to be talking about more into like what happens when we don't get enough sleep. And cause that's, that's a, a big conversation of, of chronic sleep deprivation and the health um, side effects that happen because of that. So make sure that you all stay tuned for next week and <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, we'll be able to continue to learn more. All right.